Before we officially start, I must give a special shout out to the boys over at Recovery. Much like myself and the lads, Chris and Ian are a couple of rugby fanatics like we all are, and they have created various products with Recovery in mind based around natural CBD remedies. Head over to their Instagram page or website and use the codes FREEBLOKES, that's the number free and blokes, 10% off all their natural products and feel the benefit today. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 54 of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. As we enter the season of spring, I'm delighted to be joined today by my very own Cherry Blossoms, Jed Amos Goddard and our super sub, one of our good mates, Eden Harris. Welcome back. Welcome to the podcast, lads. Action-packed round two of the NRL and we'll get into that very shortly. But um, what stood out for you this weekend, Eden? For me, the most interesting thing to look at sort of going into this weekend with the Broncos, um, the putting a, a decent performance, albeit in defeat against the Eels last week, and I was looking for a similar sort of performance there, just put a bit of pride back in the shirt, especially against the Titans, who were something of a, an unknown quantity in a way, and obviously a Queensland derby, but it, it wasn't to be. I think they looked far more like the Broncos of last year um, than the fans would like to see, but especially when they were defending their own line. Uh, what about you, Jed? Um, I would. I have to go with the Parramatta Melbourne game for me in terms of the conditions it was in, and the quality of rugby league that was played. I thought it was a phenomenal game. It's definitely probably the best. I mean, calling it wet conditions is doing the weather a disservice. It was awful conditions, like torrential downpour. But the standard of the quality was amazing, and it's the best game I've ever seen in those conditions, and one of the best games rugby league in general I've seen for quite a few years I'd definitely rank it up there um, with some of the best but Thursday night game keeps delivering always got a good uh, good game then it's always a nice way to start the uh, the weekend rugby league if you like um, and yeah it was a really interesting game to watch um, I thought Melbourne were going to win I predicted them to win in my preview got it wrong um, but Parramatta was um, in, in putting a proper strong performance can't fault him in that I think this is the Performance they've been needing for a long time. Moses absolutely kicked the storm to death. Five bombs, three crossfield kicks, one grubber kick, and 506 kick meters overall, which is a phenomenal amount. Um, probably one of the best games that he's ever had for Parramatta. And it has been sort of the type of performance that they've been wanting for him to come from him for many years. I know in our NRL preview, we all sort of said that last year was his breakout year to sort of become the player that we know that he can be. And now he's carrying on that and, and really taking that mantle and wanting to step up and run with it and, and happy to be the leader and the organiser along with Guffo in that Parramatta squad. Um, interesting tactics from the Eels to the bench. 15 minutes for Will Smith, six minutes for Keegan Itgrave. And uh, once they started Papali'i and Oregon Kapoos come on, they didn't leave the field, rotated around with RCG, Paul and Brown otherwise. Something unusual that you don't really find in NRL doing quite a lot. They kind of like to give forward breaks due to the intensity and the speed of the NRL. I don't know what are your thoughts on that, Jamie. Why, why employ this tactic and obviously come to fruition and help them overcome Melbourne? But why do you think they employed this? Yeah, slightly. Confused, um, I mean, just to reiterate the score: Parramatta Real sixteen, Melbourne Storm twelve. But I, like Will Smith, I can understand them having a kind of a, a utility back on there to to bring on in the last fifteen minutes to kind of spruce up the play but Keegan Ipgrave's got a, you know he's got a good record especially at the Titans at starting games and having good game time um, Isaiah Papaliti and Oregon Kafusa, like like you said once they came on they didn't come off and Papaliti's been outstanding this past couple of weeks and they've rotated around the other three big forwards truly I don't know I don't know if they're expecting bigger more, more bigger minutes from, from the starting pack and, and it didn't happen um, obviously they've had a reduced interchange over the past couple of years um, and I guess it's Brad Arthur's way to, for dealing with that. I mean, it worked. The one sixteen twelve, and they had a really good performance in the first game against Brisbane. So I can't really argue otherwise. Um, and and the, the whole squad seems to be performing at the minute. Obviously, we're only two games in, but Marat and Niakore filled in last minute for Wonga Blake in the centres. A, a real surprise inclusion, actually, for me. Obviously, Niakore was meant to be on the bench. So that could have been a reason why they've had to rejig stuff. He's normally a second row. He managed six tackle breaks, 23 tackles on 123 metres. Unbelievable impact from the game. Um, but, you know, a big talking point going into it was going to be Mike Acevo against Josh Adokar, two of the best wingers in the world. 
who came out on top. And, and talk to me about that take from Mike Acevo. You know, the match-winning try. Unbelievable take in wet conditions. Yeah, I thought he did really well for the whole game, to be honest. It was a really, really good match-up. Um, but just just a word on Nia Corey there as well. He was up against Olam. And that that was a battle and a half. That that was absolutely outstanding. And, you know, Nia Corey got the better of it. And whether that was whether that was a tactic to put a bigger man up against Olam, knowing how well he hits and how well he takes the ball in, I don't know, but it certainly paid off. Um, but yeah, I think I think Sivo was absolutely outstanding. And to come up with a player like that in the dying minutes, just brilliant. And obviously that's one in the match. Definitely so. And it, it, I mean, like, like I said, two of the best wingers in the world, really good to see. Uh, but, but the conditions, I mean, it's, it's going to be a continued thread throughout our podcast today because as we've seen in, in global news, Sydney itself and New South Wales have been hit by torrential downpour and flooding and, and this game was, was kind of the start of it. Um, and it really affected both sides. But you look at the completion rate, 88% from Parramatta, 80% from Melbourne Storm. Remarkable, really, given, given the conditions. And for someone like Clint Gutherson, who stood out for you, Jed, you gave him five points in our player of the season. You know, he played... Play, play the season, Mark, sorry. He played 80 minutes, touched the ball 23 times, 111 metres and didn't make one handling error. Um, no raised eyebrows as to why you give him five points. I thought it was exceptional. Um, for me, one of the big parts of this game that I think sort of urged Parramatta to win it was how safe he was under the high ball. He got peppered by a lot of kicks and to not come up with a single error and defusing bombs left, right and centre... I think of um, in the first half, there was a short grubber kick that I think Hughes put in on the line. He was down, didn't knock on, and then actually made a bit of a break from it as well. And having somebody at the back that you have total faith in, you know that you're going to start your set and you're not ever concerned or worrying. And I think having him at the back constantly got them on the front foot. We, we see Guffo constantly have excellent attacking displays, but this game really displayed how strong... He is defensively and how he has all the aspects to be an excellent fullback. I mean, in terms of the fullback position in the NRL, it's probably the most contested position in terms of quality players. The, the, the six, seven, eight, pushing world-class fullbacks. And for, for me, Guffo is probably in the top three, along with your likes of your Teddies and Pappenhausens. But I mean, obviously, it was against Pappenhausen this game and it was an exciting battle of the battle of the fullbacks. But Guffo definitely won it. Pappenhausen probably had more of an... Um, impact in terms of attacking wise but it was Guffo's defensive um, knowledge and his, his awareness that really steered Parramatta to that victory um, I mean notice that Melbourne had the ball for 6 minutes and 8 seconds more than Parramatta but still were unable to come and grind out that victory which is an unusual thing for Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Storm to do, we think of them as a machine grinding out victories but the fact that they had a lot more ball than um, Parramatta I had more possession than Parramatta as well, but were unable to um, get the victory, something they're used to doing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Bellamy won't be worrying too much, but it's something to be aware of and something that we've not seen Storm do over the recent years. If they have more possession, it's pretty much a guaranteed and a formality that they are going to the game. Coming on, I thought Brandon Smith was poorer at nine than he was at loose forward. I know this has been a, um, a discussion and a contentious point. When Grant is fit in 100%, Brandon Smith suit better coming off the bench or starting 13. What are your thoughts on that, Jamie? Um, I think Brandon Smith will be better coming off the bench. I think he's a really good impact player. I do like Dale Fanuka at 13. and They can also put Nelson Asafa Solomona at 13 as well. Um, and, and I think, relating to what you said, I think once they get a bit more um, games under the belt and Harry Grant comes back from his fitness... Uh, They'll, they'll be able to retain a bit more possession and do pretty well. Very quickly, Ede, Felice Kafusi has been banned for two games at this this week after the reported forearm slam on Ryan Matteson that actually knocked him out. What quick quickly, mate? Do you think it was as well warranted and it was a bit it was a bit nasty? I do, yeah. I think he knows exactly what he's doing there. Um, he's done a fairly good job at disguising it. I think if Matteson sort of stays down and and doesn't get concussed, then it probably just gets swept under the carpet. But unfortunately for him. Um, it, it stayed down and he's, it, it looked in a really bad way afterwards. Um, yeah, I think it's nasty from Kafusi. Um, it's really, really dangerous at a time where there's question marks over a, over a few players around concussion. Um, I, I'm expecting some time on the sidelines for Kafusi for that. Yeah, very, very nasty. Very quickly, Jed, you picked you picked the five four three two one Gutherson five near Curry four. 
Ryan Pappenhausen three, Mike Acebo two, and Christian Welsh one, who's been brilliant at the start of the season. Moving on, the New Zealand Warriors 16, Newcastle Knights 20. Real back and forth type game uh, with the kind of you score, we score type of mentality. Two sides you'd, you'd imagine will be doing something similar this season in terms of league positions. It's something we covered in our NOL previews. Um, we think both of them will be fighting for playoff spots. And very interesting from a neutral point of view who, who would actually come out on top in this game. For me, Newcastle were really, really impressive and especially I've been in the start of the season you know, two wins from two and some very key players who are missing. Uh, you know, Caelan Ponga speaks volumes. Blake Green makes 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 any team tick who he plays for. Um, and it must be pleasing for Newcastle fans. But Eden, mate, Bradman best. What a player. You know, live, living up to his potential. He's a bloke that I picked who I think will be percenter of the year in the Dalian Awards this year. 128 metres, one line break, one line break assist, two try, try assists, two tackle breaks. Two offloads and didn't miss a single tackle. It's like watching a young Eden Harris in the centre. <laughs> it certainly is, mate. It certainly is. Yeah, no, it's looking like um, a smart pick, that, for uh, a prediction for the Dali M at, at centre for best there. He was absolutely outstanding. So destructive with the ball. Set up a couple of tries and he was just scintillating at times. It's so powerful, but the skill to back it up as well. He's not just a big body running at running at you and, and being destructive that way, he'll find the pass, he'll find the flick. We saw that just out to the wing and he was just unbelievable. So dangerous. So strong. He's an absolute block as well. Another one, Jed, who's been really impressive past couple the first two games is Jaden Braley. He's a really old-fashioned ducker and I, I really like him. And it's similar to his to his brother at Cronulla, Blake Braley. You know, he, he, didn't, he did his ACL last year after coming over from Cronulla and didn't really get many games under his belt. But 50, get 50 tackles from, from 50 tackles last week, 61 from 61 this week, along with three tackle breaks and one line break and a try. Him and, his, him and his teammates and the staff at Newcastle will be very happy with this performance, won't they? They definitely will. And I'll push you probably go for 72 out of 72 tackles this week coming, mate. I mean, that's some phenomenal records. Um, to, to not miss a tackle in, in tough conditions... In a gritty game as well, like it, it was I know, back and forth, but it was a gritty game. And both hookers, I thought Wade Egan had a really good game for, for uh, the Warriors as well. But Braley definitely came on top in sort of the battle of the hookers. Um, not only is he doing the little things right, he's always getting on the front foot, getting a constant front, sneaking out, trying to get a little plus one on as quick as you can. Definitely deserved his try. And yeah, as you said, they the will be very, very happy with his performance. And um, it's, it's a good player to have him. Someone that they've not really had an out and out standard, not an out and out hooker, but someone who is comfortable and, and sort of links to the rest of the playmakers, and he seems to link really well and, and form that attack um, from the middle and, and get them around the pitch really well. Just to touch on uh, Roger Tuivasa Shek, I mean, it's a shame that we all know he will be leaving rugby league at the end of the season, which I think's not not just a massive blow for the Warriors, but a massive blow for, for rugby league in general. Being a poster boy for for New Zealand rugby league for a long time now, but. Breaking 200 metres once again, which he does every week. Two line break assists, two try assists. But what worries me about Tuvasa Shek is that I feel like he does too much. I feel like the Warriors rely on him too much. One thing that I thought would help him would be the, the addition of adding Fanua Blake, who will get a lot of yardage, meaning that he might be able to come off it a little bit. I appreciate that. Completely different positions, but... He's not having to get that, all that emphasis, but it seems like they are still relying on him a little bit too much. I think Fusitu and Mamalo should definitely be coming in and, and spreading the workload a little bit more and giving Roger more time and energy to be more of a threat when it comes closer to the opposition's line. And just a quick one for you, Jamie. Justin Rager, some report for his knee lift on Bradman's death. Brain explosion or did slow motion make it worse than it actually seemed? I just think it was, think it was a bit daft, if I'm honest, out of anything. I think he were more he were nervous about Bradman Best getting to his feet and getting a quick play of the ball to Vegas trying to slow him down. He has been put on report. I'm yet to see if he's been charged. I'm not entirely sure you lads might know any different, but I think it'd be a bit unlucky if he does get charged for it. But it was daft raising his knee in, in a situation like that as well. You know, very quickly, that's 14 players made 100 plus metres in this game and probably one of the only games this weekend not to be affected too much by the weather. Really good watch this one and Newcastle are continuing to impress. And I think if you're a Warriors fan, uh, you won't be too dis disservice with that either. Um, Bradman Best, five points. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, four points. Jaden Braley, three. Mitch Barnett, two, who has been brilliant at the start of the season. And Tex Hoy, one point in our player of the season charts as well. Moving on, the Gold Coast Titans 28, the Brisbane Broncos 16. You know, 
I, I appreciate David's defeat. It was was reported to be quite unwell last week and even had a stint in hospital leave. But his performance against his former club on Friday was exactly why the Titans paid big money for him, wasn't it? It, it was just unbelievable when he had the ball. It, two tries, 136 metres, two line breaks and eight tackle breaks. But you don't know if his defence is suffering a little bit. Four missed tackles there, two ineffective tackles. That's something that's probably going to need tightening up against the bigger sides. But brilliant performance, so, so destructive with the ball. Um, what I touched on Brisbane earlier, um, but their try-line defence for me was just woeful. Um, I, I don't think the defence was too bad along the rest of the park. I thought I thought the sort of the fronted up well, but you know, you've had you've got Jared Wallace and Jolliffe going down straight down the middle, pretty much scoring the same try, falling over the line for the four points. But that shouldn't be happening at this level, certainly not twice. And you know, the, then there's out Anthony Milford, poor Anthony Milford, who got moved out and defending somewhere else, swapped in for Brodie Croft, because um, David Fabita just had him on toast all day. But five missed tackles there, two ineffective tackles from him. That's really just not good enough. Um, one man who was good enough for the Broncos, um, Jordan Ricky, they're really turning up. I know Joseph predicted that he'd have a good season there and 193 metres, five tackle breaks, a line break, 38 tackles. He was monstrous. Um, and I think if he's it, sort of, I know it's early signs, but fall into the Patrick Carrion category of where we're saying, you know, if everyone else does what he does, they won't be in this position. And it's true. Um, but he just needs the blokes around him to, to toughen up in defence, really. Well, and attack. Um, I thought Tino was really good. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname because I saw Jed Butcher that last week. Um, it really, really quick play the ball. 3.04 seconds in that, in those conditions, in that wet weather. It's just ridiculous. It gets you on the front foot and, and it's just putting in that extra effort. Um, but similar to Dave Fafita, really, where he's, he's going to have to tighten up his defence, I think it's more of a concern for Tino as well. Um, his stats are that little bit worse, but I think teams are going to start to target him and that'll wear him down and maybe even take the shine off his attacking abilities as well, um, just as he gets tighter and tighter. Um, 70.3 tackle efficiency from him and that's... You know, they got away with it maybe um, against a very poor Brisbane side, but he's going to have to get those numbers up um, for the rest of the season or he's going to become a weak point in defence for them. Um, again, on the Broncos, you've got Asako, Coates and Farmworth. Um, that's three names who you're saying attacking, brilliant. Um, but there's nine handling errors there between them. And, and add that with with Neil, Mead, Milford and Croft, it takes it up to 13 overall. I think that's really, really poor. It's the team that needs to keep hold of the ball in the positions that they've been in and how poor they were last season. They need that completion. It's, it's simple. You get that at any level of rugby league. You get that from, from the blokes who are turning up on a Saturday and Sunday and you know around us right up to the NRL. You need to complete your set so you're not going to win. Um, Jamie, for you, that, that Tessie Neil try in the first half, is that a try or what? It was contentious, wasn't it? It was really contentious. I, I watched it a couple of times and I thought they were lucky to get the try. Um, but I know the commentators were up in arms about it. I, I think it's one of them that if, if it happens for your team, you'd happily have it. But if it happens against you, especially against your rivals, someone like Brisbane and Gold Coast, you'd be pretty fuming. Um, but I thought it was probably the best player for Brisbane in, in terms of their backs. Obviously, you've just gone through their entire handling errors from their entire back line. I thought he had probably the best game out of all seven of them. Um I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, Jed, but me and you said last week about Fasa Malawi and David Fafita linking up well. Once again, Tino had the quickest play of the ball from Gold Coast Titans. They got a quick early ball to David Fafita. He's bagged two tries and Anthony, Anthony Milford making his sandwich on the sideline. I think if you carry on targeting that, you know, Fasa Malawi, that's how you say it, Ede, is, <laughs> is, 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 so, is so damaging in attack. Um, but like you say, seven missed tackles and four ineffective tackles is is uh, is very very worrying. Um, three penalties overall, Jed, in the game, which was which was quite remarkable given the current ratio of NRL referees, two one respectively. Um, did you feel the game flowed because of this, or was it just kind of a case of it's a bit of a local derby? Let, let's get it, let's let it go. I don't feel like it had too much influence on on how the game flowed. Obviously, it was it was um, a, a tough game in terms of like tensions were high I mean you saw Vita Pangai Jr try and line up for Vita about four or five times um, before he obviously eventually eventually clocked him and he had to go off for a HIA 
Um, but I don't feel like it did have too much of an influence. I feel like, if, if I'm truthfully honest, I feel like the game should have flowed a little bit better. But due to the, the high amount of errors, especially from Broncos, it, it, it seemed to be a bit jagged, especially from them in parts and constantly right, having to restart and stuff like that. Obviously, I hate to think of what it would have been like without set restarts if it was constantly blowing up every two seconds for like a knock-on or forward pass or whatever. Um, but no, I don't think like it did have too much an influence on, on how the game flowed. Um, but Brisbane now, two games, two defeats. I mean, they haven't looked too bad in parts. I mean, if you think of that first half against Parramatta, that was very good. And again, in parts in this, I feel like they finished the game really strong. The last 20 minutes, they looked really good. Uh, yeah, it's just not looking good so far. I've not seen enough from them to convince me that they've turned the tide of last season and that they're going to be a better team overall. I feel like they've still got a lot of questions that haven't been answered. Players might be individually performing a little bit better than last season, but when it comes to a team performance, there's still lots of gaps that need to be filled in and need to be addressed. And and, and Kevin needs to address them soon because their next three games are Bulldogs, which they'll have a massive X on and that's a must win for them. And then they've got Storm and Bunnies, which if we're all betting men, we'd say they're not going to pick up anything there. So they need that game against the Bulldogs to be a massive effort. Can't be the handling errors. Milford needs to play like when he's played for like 10 minutes, excellent. He needs to do that for a whole game instead of going missing and sort his tackling out. Because if they lose against Bulldogs, I don't know how long Kevy's going to get to sort things out then because I feel like it could be a snowball effect and um, it's going to be a long, long season again for the Broncos and it could be another wooden spoon. Just on the uh, man of the batch points, um, Afita got five points. Tino got four points. Again, I will not try and pronounce his surname because I don't want to embarrass myself for two weeks running. Uh, Jordan Enrique, three points. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr., two points. And Clark, one point. Uh, all I think a fair assessment there. And then we add up next uh, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs zero, Penrith Panthers twenty-eight. Um, I mean, in terms of the game, it was very surprising to be on the pitch looking like a river rather than a rugby league surface. I mean, I don't know how they managed to play in parts of it or how they still managed to step. I mean, I think of Jerome Luai where he stepped about four players. I mean, apparently he can walk on water because I mean that try where he stepped and put the kick through was, was excellent. Um, but ultimately, obviously pretty much the result that we thought that would come. Penrith pretty dominant throughout. Um, and ultimately, they were the better side and, and, and they've won it convincingly in the end. I mean, we'll try our best to ignore and analyse the rugby league player and not turn it into a free blocks and a water polo podcast. Um, is it very could it easily be? Uh, Carl Fonagan really trying hard again, 16 attacking kicks and aggressive. So I feel like that now he's, he's a little bit less pressure on than he had at the Roosters. Um, and I feel like that's benefiting him and there's not a lot of pressure on him uh, as opposed to was last season. I feel like that's working really well for him. Jack Everington averaging a 2.62 second play of the ball feeding in, in, in torrential downpour is incredibly imp- impressive. Um, and as, we saw him play well last season when he went on loan and he seemed to carry that on and a little bit of... Um, I don't want to say aggressiveness because that's a bit of, uh, of a cliche, but he's got that, that in him. Um, that ruggedness that, that the Bulldogs pack needed, really. Um, but shout out to the Cambridge Panthers, the first team in the history of the Southern Hemisphere Rugby League to keep their opponents to nil in the opening two rounds of the action. I mean, I'll pass it over to you, Eden. I was the Cambridge Panthers are your team, and I'm sure you want to talk about them more than I do. But in terms of defensive efforts, incredible start for the Panthers, isn't it, mate? It is, mate. Yeah. And defence wins trophies, you know, that they'll be wanting to go that, that extra step and not getting beaten in the grand final this year, but actually winning it and it's a good start, you've got to say that. I know they've been up against two teams that the, the you could say they should be beating, um, but to nil them both is is just brilliant. I thought they played the conditions perfectly as well. I think that all comes from your halves controlling the game, um, but I think the, they seemed very, very well coached for the conditions as well. Um, it, you saw it from from the start, like the, as the camera panned out for kickoff, you could see puddles on the pitches and stuff, and you know that's it's the same for both sides, but. Look, one team adapted and one team didn't. Um, it, it's as simple as that. It was complete domination. Um, Brian Toto, again, he was brilliant. 250 plus metres. Um, eight others made 100 metres plus. But there, there was some really strong defence from the Bulldogs as well. Like Josh Jackson makes, made 64 tackles and didn't miss one. Uh, that's really good. Again, we're talking about the weather a lot, but in that kind of conditions, blokes are slippier. It's harder to keep hold of them. That is... 
some effort, and especially after getting belted early on uh, by was it by Moses Leota, and it you know he didn't shy away from it, and I suppose that's why that's why he's the captain down there, um, leading by example. Um, I think Momorowski's settling in really well. Uh, two tries there, 110 metres, a line break, six tackle breaks. He, he's sort of bounced about between clubs over the past couple of years, but, he, you know, it's early days, but he seems to be settling really well. Um, it's nice, as a Panthers fan, it's nice to have that option on that side of the field too. Obviously, you've got kick-out Crichton. Um, that's really, really dangerous, but to have that strike option on both sides of the attack, it makes it really unpredictable to defend against and you can't bunch up on, on one side, um, and I think we'll benefit from that. We just we seem to be going from strength to strength with... Um, a huge game against Melbourne coming up. Um, just Jamie, for you, the the high shot from Watini Zelezniak on on Cleary likely to get a ban for that. Um, but do you think that's lazy, or was there a bit of malice in it? He's actually got two weeks today, so I mean, obviously the judiciary have deemed that it's, it was a cheap shot. I mean, he got he got Simbin for it as well. The referee obviously seemed as well. I thought it were I thought it were quite lazy but he could have easily not done it as well. I think he was frustrated with the result. He's playing against his former club. Um, I think he wanted to actually put a bit of a stiff shot on there, but it looked nasty as well. It didn't, it didn't look brilliant. Um, and there was no really need to do it. I think there were about 10 or 15 minutes left in the game. Um, and now he's got two weeks for it and he's cost his teammates there in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, they've got the Broncos next week, as we've mentioned, and, and he'll, he'll have been a big player up against the likes of Xavier Coates. So be interesting to see who comes in. Um and very, very silly and, and a tough tough loss for the Bulldogs. And like you said, the conditions were horrendous and probably should have been called off, but two teams are playing and, and you know, they've got to get through it themselves. Very quickly, Eid, you were the one that chose this for us. You, you picked big, uh, big Bill Kikau, five points, Paul Momorowski, four, Nathan Cleary, three, Josh Jackson, two for his efforts in defence and Jerome Luai in one point as well. Moving on to the next game, exactly the same in terms of weather. The Manly Warringah Seagulls, 12. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, 26. You know, in, in my opinion, I mean, I, I watched all this game and the end result flattered Manly. And they were absolutely woeful once again. They, they performed probably worse last week against the Roosters. But, you know, I mean, granted, they've played two of the best teams in the comp in, in two weeks. But they were absolutely totally devoid of any sort of attacking prowess. Organisation defence was out the window, and there just seemed, didn't seem to be any team spirit. Even even getting into the like the, the the back end of the game when they were still in it, they were actually still in it with about ten minutes to go, and, and the bunnies knocked on. And I watched the the Manly team. Not one player got around the defensive player who caused the knock on. Not one player really congratulated him. They all just seemed really down. And I don't know if it's the fact that Des Asler's been given a two year extra extra contract. Um, something that Jed spoke about last week, or the fact that Tommy Turbo's still out, or just nothing seems to be going their way. It's really tough. Uh, Taniella Paseka, really, really impressive again this week, and he seems to be the only player who stood out for me for Manly. You know, five offloads, one try assist, one line break assist, 24 tackles on 125 metres ran from, from a middles rotation prop. Really, really impressive. It takes the ball really tight from the ruck. Um which is what you probably need in these in these really crappy conditions. But he still manages to make yards every single time and don't really seem to pop out like a bar of soap like you'd expect sometimes. And, and he, I think he's coming into his own after being in, in the shadow of Adam Fanua Blake. It's his fourth season for Manly now and, he, and he's stepping up a lot. I mean, to the absolute surprise of nobody, it's stuff we've, we've covered for, since even last season, but Cameron Murray had the quickest play of the ball for the Bunnies. Evidence of why he's starting at 13 ahead of Jairo, who, who, in my opinion, has proven to be an absolutely brilliant player from, from the bench in the first two rounds. As, as we've spoken about continuously, you know, a quick play of the ball from Cameron Smith, uh, Cameron Smith, Cameron Murray, gives Damien Cook the tools to play into a broken defensive line, you know, with blokes like Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell hitting gaps left, right and centre. Adam Reynolds with his kicking boots on, just exceptional to watch and, and just scoring tries after scoring tries. I think they kind of calmed down in the second half once they realised they were going to win the game. Um, but really, really total domination from the Bunnies. Jed, Dylan Walker at fullback, it's not working. Tommy Turbo's out again. You know, they don't seem to be wanting to put Brad Parker and Ruben Garrick there, who they did try last year. I, uh, what, what do you do? Because Dylan Walker, just totally out of his depth, in my opinion. They're not willing to put Parker or Garrick there. Tommy Turbo's still got a couple of weeks. So what, what do you do? Because this Manly team seems to be putting all their pressure on the fullback position? I don't know. Um, we go back, I said it last week, and I said it in my preview. Manly have no plan B without 
without Tommy Turbo. And, and what has the first two games shown us about exactly that? I don't know who they're going to put there. They're on, I mean, I'll, I'll put, put my neck on the line and say that it will be Walker starting there next week, but obviously proving that he's not up to it. I mean, obviously they are playing, they've played two of the best teams in the competition, so you've got to give them that as well. I'd put Garrick there personally. Um, I wouldn't put Brad Parker there at all, um, but I would go Garrick. I feel like he can't do any worse than Walker's doing at the moment. And again, I don't want it to be Slayton Walker, but he's playing out of position. It's a position he's not particularly used to. Centre or standoff, he's not a fullback. They're very different positions. But I don't know what the. I really I don't have an answer, unfortunately. I hope he has a better game. I'm, I'm guessing they don't have any other options, so he needs to have a better game against a really crucial, crucial match for them. Uh, I guess we'll be discussing next week whether how long they're going to persist with this experiment. Um, I'll just throw it over back to you, Jamie, in terms of the Latrell Mitchell sin binning. Um, I mean, I, I, my opinion on it is it's really poor from DCE, really, really poor, and it's it's a dive. He didn't. He knew he wasn't going to get there, and did his best to get the outcome he wanted. In the end, but I think it reflects poor, poorly on the game and reflects poorly on someone of his standing, of his of his caliber within the game. I don't know whether I put words in your mouth there, but what's your opinion on it? I think Latrell Mitchell knew what he was doing, but I don't think DC had enough impact for him to actually fall to the ground. He knew what he was doing. Um, you know, Latrell got simbined and it didn't really have much of a, a result on the end on the end score, did it? I guess, but. You know, we, we spoke about DC has been really poor to the start of this season and, and that didn't really make, give him any uh, positive feedback either, if I'm honest. Um, just just quickly sum up on and who I chose for the 5-4-3-2-1 player of the season, Marks. Cody Walker, number five, I thought he were exceptional, totally controlled the game. Damian Cook, four. Latrell Mitchell, three. Uh, Taniella Paseka, two. And Dane Gagai, one, who we haven't spoke about, but really solid centre makes solid yards every single week and, and performing a lot better, I think, this season than, than he did last season. You know, Manly play the Dragons next week and that is a real, real big game for them. Mr Jed Amos Goddard, we are moving on to North Queensland Cowboys. It is you boys 18, the St George Illawarra Dragons 25. You know, I've I put this down to talk about a bit more extended than the other games, but but one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. I'm not really sure for you because your boys lost again. But I, I don't know if that's because of the action, the dry weather. or I loved watching the kits that, you know, all red against the Cowboys traditional kits were really, really nice. Two teams who, who were pretty much aiming to finish outside the bottom three to four. Um, and in patches, there was some good rugby, wasn't there? There was, there was some really good good rugby in patches. It was a very hot and humid um game up in towns though. I think it was 27 degrees and the humidity was like 100% so even though it was dry weather it looked like it was wet weather when you looked at the player because they were all dripping wet through um, the failure to capitalise on key moments which constantly cost the Cowboys um, I mean the first three goal line dropouts in a row that we had I mean I'll touch on it in a second so I, I always want to get my words out quickly with Cowboys because I have so much to say but I'll try and pace myself Morgan did not offer anything attack. Um, I feel like he had two in-game kicks, one which he completely shanked, and um, luckily the the centre caught it. Um, Scott Drinkwater was probably our only decent option in attack, 186 metres, which was the most of anyone in the game, two offloads, two tackle breaks, and even linking up well with attacking players and, and causing one or two of them dropouts. But for me, it's, it's our fifth option, which is non-existent. We don't have it. For the last 25 minutes of the game, we we targeted the same side with a high bomb that not once worked. I mean, I don't know what the game plan or, or why they tried that, but they were going towards, um, I can't remember who was on the other wing now, but there wasn't going to Felt's side, um, was, or Felt and Master's side. There was going to the Hamasai Fidal side and it didn't ever come up Trump's once and Holmes. And, and why would you not target Felt, who is known for being one of the best leapers in the game and best under the high ball. You saw how well Zach Lomax did it and how well he took that his try. But that's what Kyle Felt can do. And, and not even if you're going to employ a tactic, you'd surely employ it on your side, which is going to have the most likely outcome of re- resulting in a, in a four points or a repeat set. And just the, the lack to do that and just sticking to one decision, it was, it was really poor. Um, defensively, a lot better for the Cowboys. Um, really, really toughed up in a lot of parts, and especially obviously forcing free goal and dropouts is is evident of that. But yeah, the the, the lack of attacking opportunity, along with Manly, have shown um, the worst attack or attacking options in the league so far after two rounds. But I'll go on to St George, who I thought was really, really impressive, and, and for me, Ben Hunt was outstanding. 
one of his one of if not his best performance for the Red V. Controlled everything. Um, he got the man of the match, not only by Foxley but by myself as well. One try, two try assists, three offloads and four tackle breaks, a line break, two line breaks, six. Six dummies in the game, which was the most of any player in round two. Lovely little stat for you there. Um, and it just seemed to always be looking like a threat. He looked calm. He looked composed. He looked settled, which is something Ben Hunt hasn't seemed in a long time. He hasn't seemed settled. I feel like the coach has put a lot of faith behind him, said, you're my captain this year. You're going to be you're going to be seven. That's your position. You don't have to worry about coming off the bench or going to hooker. This is what you're going to do. I want you to do what Ben Hunt used to be known for. And, and so far in the first two rounds, I feel like he has definitely shown that. And, that, and I hope things carry on well for him because we know how good of a player he can be. And I'd, I'd look, I hate that at the moment he's defined by that drop ball in the grand final against the Cowboys. I'd love it if, if he, he really turned it around and became one of the premier halfbacks in the competition again. Uh, Paul Bourne, Trent Merrid and Jack Bird all had big games. They all do have big games under the belt, but they performed. Um, I thought Jack Bird really showed some... some Oomph on that sideline. I mean, he got absolutely belted by Kel, Kyle Felt twice and got straight back up and actually shook his hand after the second one, which shows that he, that he just wanted to get stuck in. Um, for me, Norman still got work to do. I mean, he did spot that drop goal, which proved crucial in the end, but he still has a little uh, a little bit more to give because Hunt definitely controlled it. And it was his first back game back, so we were. Um, but yeah, definitely needs to be. Impacting the game more rather than a bit more of a passenger, which I feel like he was for parts of that game. Um, I will just touch back on that. Kyle felt he's been given a two-match ban now. He entered in the early uh, the early plea, so he's out for two games. Um, I don't know, Eden. What did you think of the tackles? I mean, one there were two identical tackles. One put on report and a penalty. One was play on. I mean, feel feels odd to me. I mean, I'll, I'll try not to get involved because obviously I am biased. Um, if the referees aren't making consistent decisions, can you then penalise a player when you didn't get penalised for the exact same thing later on in the game? I don't know. What are your thoughts on it, Eden? I think that's <laughs> from referees and, and the judiciary in, in general, you want a bit of consistency. Um, I think the fact that Felt did it twice is a concern. Um, I think it's really not good. that The first one, the, for me, the first one should have been punished as well. Like you say, it's the exact same tackle I don't think it's malicious he's not done it in a nasty way but he's just sort of overcut the tip a little bit um, and it is dangerous and you know in, in the rules in the modern game he can't do that um, but yeah like you say you just want a little bit of consistency it's either both or none and, and you know you can't, you can't be splitting them down the middle and you've got to think did the first one the fact that the ref didn't do anything for the first one play on his mind for the second one but I don't know we'll see we'll see I mean, he's out for two games now. Luckily, we do have some good depth in that that out wide position. So, obviously, we'll be interested to see what Toddy Payton does. Um, obviously, this week coming. Um, obviously, Tamalala, Tamalala, Tamalala's out for a month now, or a month to six weeks for a broken hand. Obviously, a lot in the press about the relationship between him and Payton. I mean, I'll throw this one over to you, Jamie. Is Payton playing a risky game by potentially isolating his big name players? Good question. Uh, potentially, potentially, yeah. I think it, the, these players have got to buy into his game. We, we, we know what we know what he did at the Warriors last year, and we know what he's probably capable of. The only risk is that he doesn't have a long proven track record. He's not someone like Wayne Bennett or Craig Bellamy who can go into clubs and turn them upside down and still work off his reputation. You know, Todd Payton's got to really work through this properly and work alongside his big players. And you know, coming out to the press last week and kind of. Talking about Tamalolo and the way he did didn't really sit right with me. I understand that he's wanting a different side of Tamalolo if he's on such big money for such a long period of time. Um, but I think he's probably got to look at Holmes and Morgan more than Tamalolo because Tamalolo's done so much over the past couple of years that Holmes and Morgan haven't. You know, $9.6 million budget in, in, for every NRL team, and you've got a third of it sat with them three players. And, and for me, Morgan and Holmes are the ones that aren't performing as opposed to Tamalolo. Um, you know, and if they continue that way, it's going to be a real slog of a couple of years until Peyton is either allowed time to sort out the salary cap or he gets shunted, much like Paul Green did it back in last year. It's certainly interesting. Um, but Jed, yeah, just, just run through your 5-4-3-2-1 before we move on to the next absolute abysmal 
game as well. I mean, for any one of you who knows who Jamie supports, that should give you a little bit of a clue to what game uh, we'll be talking about next. But yeah, my man of the match points for this. Uh, I give uh, Ben on five points. Uh, Jack Bird, four points. Daniel Alvaro has started the season very strongly and I'm very impressed with his work rate and his yards that he achieves. McCulloch, two points. So his link-up with Hunt was excellent and I feel like them two performing consistently throughout the season is key for the Dragons to, to remain competitive and put up the table. And then Kyle Felt, one point. Despite the tackles, I thought he, he was solid under the high ball in, in the conditions and constantly helped us get up the pitch. Um, and I will simply throw it over to you, Jamie. Last week you said... Just let Jed rant. This week, I'm going to do the same for you. I'm just going to let you rant. West Tigers 6, Sydney Roosters 40. Talk us through it, mate. Uh, I mean, no no real surprise, really, is it, to anybody? You know, Tigers weren't really in the game for any period of it. Or, or, when when you support a team who's kind of lower up down in the table, which I've seemed to do with the Tigers and Wakefield over a long period of time, you just want them to put in the effort against the better teams. You know, I don't, There's no way I go into this game thinking that we're going to win. Um, and I just want us to put in some sort of effort, have some good performance and be proud of what they've done. The Roosters are always going to be dominant in attack. Luke Carey, James Tedesco, the Morris Twins, Daniel Tupo, they're always going to have dominance in attack and score tries that no one else can score in the league. You know, world-class players and finishers. 40 points came as no surprise at all, if I'm honest. You know, Tedesco is even fitting in at first receiver. Like, who does that? Who, who, has, the, who has the guts to play fullback and think, actually, I'm going to slide at first receiver as well and still be a world-class performer, 191 metres from him, which is probably a bit on the low side, if I'm honest, more than anything. Two tries, eight tackle breaks, Luke Carey got three try assists, Brett Morris got a hat-trick, you know, just just abundance of world-class performances. Luke Brooks, you know, he made his 150th appearance for the club, and it's probably his 150th lacklustre appearance, if I'm honest. He was absolutely appalling, in my opinion, and it doesn't have any positive effect on the club or us as fans. It was so, so poor with the ball in hand. His in-play kicking was deplorable. He missed three tackles, and to be fair, three of them probably led to tries, especially where Luke Carey made that break on his side. You know, the the Le, um, the Lua brothers, uh, Asu Kapoa and Brooks on that left-hand side were absolutely abysmal. Brad Fittler and Peter Sterling have absolutely gone in on that left-hand side today in the media on Channel 9. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Brad Fittler said that they should actually pay the money back to the fans that, that made the trip to actually all watch them. It was absolutely embarrassing. Um, and Luke Brooks seems to have done this for a prolonged period of time. I know he's a Tigers boy. I know he's come through the youth system. He's been he's been hailed a boy wonder, but this is ninth season now and it's not good enough. It, it was I saw someone say, actually, that the banner that he ran through to start the game was actually a stronger defence than he was, which is quite funny. Um, and... But truth, truth be told, Adam Dewey had a good game in the number six jersey and I'd really like Jock Madden to be given a chance now. He performed really well in the trial game for Manly. Um, and I'd, I'd drop Brooks for a week, just just, just give him a, you know, take him out of the game, give Madden and Dewey a go and see how they go. Dane Laurie performed really, really well and probably the only Tigers man for me with a positive impact on the game over round one and round two. You know, once again, once again, really poor conditions, chucking it down throughout the game. But he managed 170 metres in a losing side who weren't really attacking. Nine tackle breaks, actually one more than James Tedesco did. You know, he put his hand up for some really tough carries when we had, you know, our forwards absolutely bottling runs. James Tamau and Joffre Ngawi with 90 metres between them. Absolutely embarrassing to say Dane Laurie's the one who's he's 20 year, 21 year old, is a rookie, playing in a pressurised position in the fullback. And he's taking absolutely crap runs, cutting up the ball from his own line. Super performance. What a kid. Um, really hope he goes on. Interesting tactic I've seen from the Roosters, because I watched them last week against Manly as well. They're bringing Jared Warrior Hargreaves off the bench. Because um, Lindsay Collins, I assume, had such a good origin series that they wanted to start him more. And, you know, you've probably got three world-class props now. And, and he's, he's proving pivotal. You know, over 100 metres between all three of them, including COC Otake Aho. Superb once again. I'm not going to go too in depth because it's it's just the same old crap. We played for less than about 40 minutes this time. The Leilua brothers were really poor. Um, Pack was non-existent. Jacob Liddell had a dig, which was nice to see. Um, some some good tackles up the middle, but we're still lacking something. I appreciate we've played Canberra and the Roosters in the first two weeks. Who you know if they, if they made the prelim finals, no one about an eyelid. Um, but the Roosters really really good as again again. From the outside, lads, 
I'm going to ask you two. You know, in the next couple of games, the Tigers have got Newcastle, Parramatta and the Cowboys. I mean, Newcastle started really, really well. Parramatta are, are, are obviously one of the favourites for the competition and the Cowboys is going to be a huge game in a couple of weeks. Something has to change. Eden, I'll fire it to you, mate. What, what do you do in terms of our spine? Do you change anything? Do you let Brooks play as he is? How, how do you look at it? The thing is, with, with Brooks, he's always sort of, every now and again, he has one game where he performs well and he sort of dangles that carrot that says, I am a good player. And then he's poor again for the next nine or ten. You saw he was best when he was next to um, when he was next to Moses before Moses went over to the Eels for me. Um, so does that mean that he needs a, a strong halfback partner with him? Is Dewey going to do that? I, for me, that, Dewey was decent, but for me, he's still a fullback. But you can't drop Laurie either at the minute. He's he's performed really well since he's come in. So that's that's a conundrum there in itself. Um, I really like what Lidl offers. Um, I think I think that's one strong suit. It just needs the pack around and to perform, which is a really weird one because you know we had obviously we had Tanner the Panthers last year and he, he seemed to perform week in week out and he's gone over to the Tigers and it's he's been really poor, like, well really really poor against the Roosters. Um, it, it's a bit odd that it's looking a bit baffling about maybe not fighting a bit harder to keep hold of Benjamin Marshall now. I know that's easy with hindsight and noise. He's an aging body and stuff, but he, he kind of just added that level of control and the consistency there. Whereas your attack now, especially from when it comes like from the spine, from your heart, it just looks panicked and rushed, like the completely clueless. Um, so short answer, mate. I don't know. Nice one. Thanks for coming up, podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, moving swiftly on, Jed, Brett Morris, another hat trick, six tries in two games. He's now jumped, well, he's in fourth position already. I think he's nine tries behind Steve Menzies in third. And he's only 20 tries until he jumps above Billy Slater now. Do, do you think he can achieve that? I mean, it won't, he's 35 in August and he won't surprise me if he can go around again for another season. But Billy Slater must be sweating a bit. I think he can break it. I don't think he will. Realistically, this could very much be his last season. Um, but I don't know. You never know. I mean, he could do a nat trick next week. I mean, I'll, I'll actually throw out um, a little uh, teaser quiz question for you, boys. You know how much I love to do them. So, Brett Morris is the first player to score back-to-back hat tricks since which player in 2017? I'd have a total semi-red Eden, who are you going for? Bunivalu. It is indeed semi Radradra. Well done, Jamie. So bonus points. I, <laughs> I, I knew the answer already. Oh, <laughs> at least you owned up to it. I wouldn't have claimed if I'd have known it. I'd have claimed that I had some excellent knowledge. Um, but yeah, I'll say that. No, he won't break Billy Slater's record. But who knows? You never know with uh, the Evergreen Morris. Both of them, the Morris. And just to wrap up on those points, uh, do you want to do it, Jamie, since you watched the game? Do you, who did you give the man of the match points to? Yes, mate. I, I mean, I'll say, first of all, Dane Laurie was very unlucky not to get any points for me. I think if we'd have maybe even done six points, he'd have got the extra one. But I, I couldn't really put him in. Just, to, just I felt there were five blokes who performed a lot better than him. I mean, I put Tedesco, Brett Morris and Luke Carey in, in five, four and three, but they could have been any of them positions, if I'm honest. Lindsay Collins in two, who is quickly approaching, you know, top five best props in the world for me. It was absolutely exceptional. And big Jared Ware Hargreaves, he came on, came off the bench, with a point to prove and absolutely demolish the uh, the competition in front of him. Really, really good. And, and once again, the Roosters have got Radley, Verrills, Cordner, Friend, Angus Crichton all to come back. It's absolutely petrifying. And they're still performing like they, they, they've put 40 points on Manly and the Tigers in the first two weeks. Bunnies next week, which I'm sure you'll cover in your preview, Jed, but that is a big, big game. Last game of the weekend, lads. Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 10. Canberra Raiders, 12. Surprise, surprise. Another game with heavy weather. Um, didn't affect it as much as the other games, but um, a relatively quiet game in terms of points scored. Canberra will be quite annoyed that it managed to put on more points in the first half because it was a bit of a one-sided affair more than anything. You know, for all the raps I gave him last week, I gave him five points and our player of the season points tallied. But Chad Townsend had an absolute nightmare this week, if I'm honest. Almost the opposite. He, he'll want to forget this game very, very quickly. You know, two conversions he missed at the back end of the game. He missed a penalty kick, which would not only tied the game, which would, which would eventually won the game for the Sharks, along with six missed tackles and two ineffective tackles. Really, really poor from the Premiership winner. Uh, you know, on the opposite side of that, George Williams, he shined again. 
you know, second week in a row, we've given him five points, uh, along with James Tedesco as the only bloke who's picked up five points in our player of the season charts. Um, you know, he's improving every single week. What a player. And I'll hold my hands up again. I was the one who I didn't think he'd make it. And, and Jed, you know, you were the one that thought he would, he would settle in really well. And, and he's proven it. He's, he's probably our best player in terms of England, if I'm honest. Now he's definitely our most influential and pivotal player. Really excited if he stays injury-free coming up to the World Cup. You know, he got one try assist, um, two tackle breaks and a line break assist. But he, he just works so well. You know, Whiten loves taking the ball. He loves taking it to the line. He's a big body and Williams is happy to sit back organise the attack. I'm sure Josh McVitie, you know, in, in the time off he's having at the minute, is, is really enjoying watching Canberra. Um, another bloke, Jed, who, who's shown up actually week in, week out, he's gone, hang on, and I'm going to say it for the first time this season, William Kennedy has gone under the radar this season, I think. Out of all the, the Cronulla players, I think, who I tipped in the pre-season who, who have come through this Newtown Jet system, you know, he's putting some real punch in the attack, isn't he, Jed? He really is. We need to get a clacks on for whenever under the radar and, and just for like, bam, 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 under the radar along. But yeah, I'm surprised it's the second week. I'm surprised we didn't mention it last week. But yeah, he has gone under the radar. He's a very smart and astute player. Gets involved in all aspects of the attack. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to progress. I know we, we spoke about it last season, the link-up that they have with the Newtown Jets. And obviously, Newtown Jets um, always seem to do well in obviously the New South Wales Cup and in final season. I think they've been in two of the last three finals, but don't hold me to that, but obviously doing something for them and, and having them players come through, sort of similar to at Penrith all coming through together and it, it, it must be doing some sort of, of good year because I wouldn't have expected this game to be as close as it was. Um, so the, the squad's working really well together. I mean, the great battle between the forward packs, Rudolph and Graham standing out versus Tarpane, uh, Papaliti. I mean, going out hanger and, hammer and tong, I mean, you expect um, Tarpane and Papaliti do that every week, which they do, and always looking tough. Tappany always just seems to get an extra five yards out of nothing. He'll be stopped and then just somehow always seems to get extra yards. I don't know how, he's, how he does it. And they've both got um, an eye for the trial line. But Toby Rudolph was a great player last season and seems to look like he's very much carrying on that form. Um, one of my sort of favourite forwards in the competition. Um, bit, He's not like your, your typical sort of forward. He's a bit unorthodox in the way that he does things uh, and I kind of like that about him having that sort of uh, different type of forward that he is um, but yeah both impressive performances from them and it, you can see why it was such a close score uh, 49 missed tackles and 18 errors from the Sharks though that's something that will need tightening up and like you said at the beginning it's, it's a surprise that Canberra didn't use that to their advantage and put more more points on them 49 missed tackles I would go as far as probably that's the most of any team this weekend um, and just definitely not be getting towards that 50 tackle mark. Um, both sides, um, well, the red had obviously at the referees challenge this week, one successful and one unsuccessful. It's the second season now that it's been fully implemented. Um, I'm a big advocate for it and I think it works really well. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Eden. What are your thoughts on the captain's challenge? Yeah, me too, mate. I really like it. I think it, it stops the sort of endless whining at refs because you get you've got that decision to make about whether I challenge this or not um, and then you know once you've used your challenge it's it's gone it's not gonna it, if you had more captains challenged you'd, you'd end up with more time wasting the game it'd be more stop start because they challenge more things and it'd be endless just a little on the off chance that it might have you know touched somebody else or, or whatever I think keeping it at, at uh, one challenge, one unsuccessful challenge. Sorry, um, I think it works really, really well. Um, and you know, I think keep keep at it. Um, no reason to change it at all. Yeah, I like it. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, I think it's a great addition, and I'm yet to see any statistics regarding it. But from from the majority that I see, that it's usually a winner. It's very rare that you'll see consecutive unsuccessful. Um, challenges as well, it, unless unless it seems to be like a winger doing it. I've seen Gus Gold say that wingers shouldn't be allowed to challenge because they always get it wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I do like it. Um, and you know, we're in we're in the second season of it now, and I think it seems to be working well. I just I almost don't want it to undermine the referees too much. But alternatively, if it's working, it's working. So you've got to hold your hands up and, and go about with it. Very briefly, just as we close on this game, Sebastian Chris, I think, has started the, re the season really, really well. And, and he's, he's a player that Joss obviously spoke about previously um, before he's taken some time off. Um, I think it'll be interesting when Jared Croker comes back if they're going to try and, and fit in Sebastian Chris in, in the team. I'm sure Sticky will, will have his 
work it out, but it's, it's a good conundrum to have as well. Um, George William, five points. William Kennedy, four points. Joseph Tarpany, three. Sebastian Chris, two. And Hudson Young, another favourite of Josh McVitie's, one point. Really, really impressive. Um, so that rounds up round two of the NRL. Very quickly, lads. I'll just go through round three, which Jed will be previewing on our IGTV channel on the Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast uh, Instagram page. Uh, Thursday, Penrith Panthers up against the Melbourne Storm. Three weeks in a row, Melbourne have played on a Thursday. We understand why. It's usually the best game of the weekend and guarantee I'll be watching that one as, as closely as I can. St. George Illawarra Dragons against the Manly Warringah Seagulls on the Friday, along with the St. South Sydney Rabbitohs against the Sydney Roosters. Some superb games there. Canberra Raiders up against the New Zealand Warriors. Brisbane Broncos up against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Parramatta Reels up against the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks on the Saturday. And then the Sunday games, once again, us boys are playing the Sunday. Uh, Newcastle Knights against the West Tigers and closing out another Queensland derby, the North Queensland Cowboys against the Gold Coast Titans. I think very briefly, Jed, you'll go over it on your preview, but there's a lot of games there that you probably can't call out right. You literally took the words out of my mouth, mate, other than probably Newcastle and probably Titans. A lot of games that could go either way. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to preview uh, everyone who's going to watch it. It'll be a good run, but I think the game, the two games that immediately stand out for me, of course, got to be Melbourne Penrith, um, a repeat of last year's grand final, and obviously South Sydney versus the Roosters, two best kind of games you can get. Um, Blockbusters in every sense of the word. So watch out for them previews and uh, definitely get watching them this weekend because they're going to be absolute crackers. Could easily be for them too as well. So it'll be very impressive. And very quickly, lads, we've got the Super League coming back this week, which we will be previewing uh, in the next couple of days, actually, the Super League season coming out on all podcasting platforms. We've got St. Ellen's up against Salford Red Devils, Lee Centurions up against the Wigan Warriors, Wakefield Trinity up against the Leeds Rhinos, oi oi, uh, Catalan Dragons up against Hull KR. Hull FC up against Huddersfield Giants and the Casper Tigers up against the Warrington Wolves. Uh, we will be uh, reviewing all of that next week as well. So a very exciting time. We've got about three minutes left, lads. We've, we've brought in a very mini topic just at the end, a new, a new thing we're going to try and do. It's called Topic of the Week. It's very self-explanatory. And this week we're going to cover the wonder kid, Joseph Sawale. If anyone is listening to the podcast and isn't aware of Joseph Sawale, you know, it's pretty much the next, you know, is, is the next superstar in the game of rugby league, kind of like a Greg Inglis, a Jared Ayne, you know, Israel Folau is, is an unbelievable talent. He's still only 17. Uh, the Roosters have just recently signed him from the Bunnies. He's playing for the North Sydney Bears in their recruitment and development uh, territory. The NRL have a, have a role leading that you can't play until you reach the age of 18. Um, and it's recently been basically broken for Joseph Sawali. He's 17. The NRL has said that he is allowed to play if the Roosters want to pick him. Kind of first question to you, Ed. What's your thoughts on the age limit? Because obviously in Super League, we don't have that. We've had 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds play, and it's a relatively new thing for the NRL, because I remember a couple of years ago when Jordan Rankin made his debut at 16. Uh, what, what's your thoughts very quickly on the age limit rule? I'll ask you in Jedstead, because I think Eden's broken there. I don't know where he's gone. <laughs> It's very frozen. Uh, yeah, I'll go. Um, I don't agree. I, I'm all for if you're if you're or if you're good enough, you're old enough, as they say. Um, I'm all for that. However, breaking rules and making exemptions for players is a very dangerous path to make for yourself. Because now, what the NRL done, they have made their bed. So in two, three years' time, when the next superstar comes along, they have to, in my opinion. They will have to make that same exception. Otherwise, you're running a dangerous line of being accused of favouritism. You're running a dangerous line of not following your own rules and undermining yourself. If they want to lower the age and say you need to be 17 and then you can make, I'm all, I'm happy about that. Absolutely fine. If a player is good enough, they're old enough. But this is dangerous territory for me. Um, I don't agree with it. They have a need to change the rule altogether or not to make Joseph Sawali to play. That's my opinion on it. I don't know. What do you think, Jamie? Totally. If you're going to have an age limit rule, you stick to it and you don't change it for anyone. I don't care if it's, you know, Sonny Bill Williams coming through, JT, Andrew Johns, or Josie Sawali. If, you, if you're defiant and having an age limit rule for whatever reasons you want, you can't just break it because you're basing it off potential. There is no evidence that Josie Sawali will be you know, a five-time Premiership winner, five-time Dalian winner, you're basing it off potential. If Joseph Sawali comes through now, 
and, and does absolutely nothing and he's playing for OKR in five years' time, what an absolute laughable you know, reason, reason it is behind breaking that mould. I think you can't do it. And if you're going to have it, you, you just can't break it. Plus the fact he's 18 in August. Why can't you just wait a couple of months? I appreciate the Roosters are struggling with injuries, if I'm honest. But is that not down to them having a bit more of a better recruitment path? Should they have someone else who can fill in a bit quicker? Should they have recruited better? Um, I mean, we're saying this, he'll probably come through and bag a hat-trick now and, and be absolutely world-class. And I expect him to. I've seen some footage of him and he looks exceptional, if I'm honest. But why, why break a rule for one? Because like you say, they've made the bed and now they've got to lay in it now. And the media are going to be all over it every time there's a decent um, potential player coming through any ranks. And, if, and even more so, if someone comes through who looks better than him and the NRL reject it, Roosters are just going to get dumped for favouritism like, like they always do with the salary cap sombrero joke. Um, so I totally agree, mate. Eden has actually lost, lost Wi-Fi connection, so it is just me and Jed left for these past two minutes. Um, but yeah, very interesting topic. And I don't even know if he's going to get played because um, the Roosters are obviously doing well without him, to be honest. But very interesting, Jed. And anything else to, just to sum that up before we move on? No, I think we've covered it and the precedent's been set now. So I'm intrigued to see when the next play come through, how the NRL will approach it. But we'll probably have to wait a few years for that. But yeah, intriguing times by the NRL. Excellent. And I that. Just if we've got a spare five minutes at the end, we'll, we'll chuck in a topic of the week. And everybody that is listening who, who has thought of a topic of the week, it can be absolutely anything regarding even a rugby league game in Romania or somewhere like that that we, you want us to cover and we can briefly talk about it as well. But thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 54 of Three Blocks and the Rugby League podcast. Head on over to our social media pages where you'll find our first ever free giveaway on our Twitter and Instagram pages. That ends this Wednesday, two days' time. Improve your chances of receiving an NRL jersey, training top, vest or NRL shorts of your choice by reading the caption and joining in with our giveaway. Also, give us a rating on our podcast platform if possible, please. That bruise, that just helps us overall and helps us reach other people in uh, in the world who, who can't listen to us, unfortunately. We are available on all podcasting platforms. Keep an eye out for all our future podcasts and interviews and have a listen into our archive of the likes of Tom Johnston, Barry McDermott, Adrian Morley and much, much more. We'll be back in a couple of days' time with the Super League previews. Myself, J.D. Moss Goddard and Josh McVitie. Thank you once again, J.D. Moss Goddard and Eden Harris for filling in. We will catch you all down the road.